and welcome to part two of episode seven of Doubt Under the Ring. Now, we're going to cut to the actual conversation here. As the last episode was so long, we had to split it in half. So without further ado, please enjoy episode 7.5 of Down Under the Ring. Because we do still have to talk about um, the PLE from today. We had payback. Now, what I will say about payback before we go into it is this was a great episode of Raw. Oh, mate. Excellent episode of Raw. Yeah, there was a lot of that for me. A lot of that for me. The fact, honestly, okay, I'm going to say it too. I fucking hate, I hate the fucking Grayson Waller fucking experience being on a pay-per-view. I hated it when it was Ms. TV. I hate it all of the time. I don't like it when they do these fucking talk shows in the middle of a pay-per-view. Okay, this is what I'm... We're definitely jumping ahead, but I'm going to go with this. I tweeted literally as the Grayson Waller effect started, why have we got a Raw segment on a pay-per-view? Yeah, that's how it feels. I fucking hate it. 100% But I think the payoff worked. I wasn't happy when it started. I thought this is a fucking waste of time. This is a moment that could be we could be using this for a match are we taking who are we taking this away from a bitch it's from trish and becky <laughs> did they cut their did they cut their match short but i think the payoff was awesome like what an interesting way to bring jay in and having cody be the one who's brought jay in i think is really interesting and let what me do another- an easy night for cody though oh easy night for cody but here's where i think the payoff is going to be you've now got him over on raw i think he's the man to beat seth yeah, you know what? I look at it and I can see Jay and Damien Priest having a great go of it after that. Yeah, yeah. But I think he's a guy to beat Seth. It solidifies Jay as main event Jay, but also brings him back into the bloodline story later with, especially if you've got him with the strap and then you've got Roman loses the strap and he's like, bro, oose. I've got one. He's got the power now. Yeah, where's yours? Yeah, where's yours? Yeah, there's a whole bunch of storylines you could go down there. That's another really interesting Survivor Series moment too. If Jay's already the champion and Roman's the champion, just that moment in the ring yep. where they're both standing there and, and then the, the wise man's and you've got like Solo and Jimmy and everyone like standing there. He's loose, you know, who's got more power now? I yep. can see that, like absolutely. I think it's great. I, I like that. I just fucking hate talk show segments on my paper. 100% I like a show, like backstage segments, yeah, fine, whatever. It's it's always been a part of wrestling, you know, having The Rock do his impressions before a match of yeah. the people, you know, all that kind of stuff. I love that. Give me that all day, every day. Yeah. But a situation where you've got a full-on segment like that with a fucking different canvas and trees and yeah. all that shit, I just can't do it. And also Cody... Cody should be wrestling on every... If you want Cody to be the guy, he mm-hmm. should never not be in there doing it. And it. It did feel like a little bit of a missed opportunity for him. When Jay came out, it was just like, okay, Cody's just fucking booked it. He like just fucking left. Yeah, he's gone. And, and there was nothing right. else there. Yeah, yeah, it was so weird. Yeah. So weird. And saying that though, I felt a lot of the show was weird. There was some great moments in this show, but I found that the booking of the show was strange so the fact that we started with trish and becky in the cage match did not feel right no that being said like you know 
as a wrestling rule, we always say the best match is the main event, but the second best match of the night should be the opener. And it's, if you're going to put another big up, match, right? yeah, exactly right. You're going to put another big match that you put it there. Now, when it comes to a women's cage match, though, that's where it feels a little bit, you know, because that match was always going to be full of emotion. Mm-hmm. It was always going to be full of big spots. But and to me, had, that we've had a two-month build-up to this match. Yeah, so it's definitely there. I would have almost put the tag title match first, though. Oh, I 100% agree. But in saying that, there's this is where the timing was weird as well. I felt that the Judgment Day story felt like it was out of order. Yes, yeah, that's how it felt for me too because you had Rhea come out during the tag title match and then they, just come back out again and have a match. Yeah, it felt like it was all out of order. But in saying that, I also feel like our podcast is currently well out of order. Oh, no, yeah, <laughs> it is. It is. Um, I'm, I'm just ticking off the sections as we go. Yeah, so we had that whole segment, but the big one with me was John Cena was the host. This felt really rushed this week of just announcing it and John Cena wait, being wait, the host. Wait, 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 wait. Speaking of rushed, the fucking cage match. It was really good. Oh, yes, sorry. The cage match <laughs> was really good. You are 100% right. The cage match was a genuinely great match. I had my reservations because Trish in the last few months hasn't always been firing on all cylinders, right? She's it's been 47 years old. But that was my tweet this afternoon, this morning, was Trish Stratus is 47 years old. She is a part-timer who has been out of the ring for, what, 15 years as a Mm -hmm. full-timer. It's a generation, they said today. Yeah, she has never wrestled a cage match. And that match was great. She took some fucking ridiculous bumps as well. And I didn't see any botches this time. No, no, legitimately nothing they did went particularly wrong. Like... Even the hanging upside down spot when they were both on top of the fucking cage, that was brilliant. Everything so they did had purpose. That that spot there in particular was the one that I was literally going to call out is because I watched that and there was two things that happened was the setup for that. I watched the setup for that spot and I was just like, shit, has she fucked up the placing of her legs? Because if she falls, she's fucked. It's funny as a wrestler, before you go on to your second part, because for me, I watched the placement for that and I was like, surely she's not going to fucking hang from the the cage. And then she did. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. And then, yeah, she did that spot and it was a brilliant spot. I think that entire match was brilliant. There's a lot of people who are complaining online that the Stark interference was stupid and what's the point of having a cage match if you're going to have her come in? The sanctity of the cage has been dead for a fucking long time, in my opinion, right? It's not even a thing anymore. Like, uh, when it comes to that, my only complaint with the Stark stuff was the rubbish way that she hit the finisher because they were just hugging a little bit. She put her arm on her shoulder. She prepped it a bit too much. And then she almost, you could almost see her say, You ready? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that was the only complaint I had yeah. for it where it was just like it should have just been bang, you know, like yeah. a kick, maybe um, a grab by the hair so the crowd can really feel it first and then yeah. go. But it was just kind of like she just walked up to her and just was like, oh, uh, bah. okay, yeah. we're good. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, it was, it was a, it was a great though, match. 
Everything else was excellent. I've really liked it. Usually cage matches, and I'll say as well for me when it comes to women's, women's matches in general, I do get a little bit lost in their early pacing of their matches yep. just because it tends to drag in my eyes. Did not do that whatsoever. It was excellent. It's not a five-star for me, but it's, a, it's, a, it's up there. It's a good one. All right, after this, we have Cena come out, which was weird that he actually came out after the cage match and welcomed everybody to payback. I will say this about Cena throughout the entire thing. I did find him pretty fucking entertaining. Oh, yeah, it was just stupid Cena. It was like Kurt Angle levels, stupid Cena, which I'm I'm all for that too. Like doing the backstage interview and doing the splits so he was shorter than Damien and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it was just very good. The, the entire thing was brilliant. I, I liked having him around. I think he's in this era now of he knows his role in wrestling at the moment. He's the nostalgia act. He knows it, and he's having fun with it. I have zero That being said, I can see another rain. I can see him hitting that rain. And he is still in incredible shape. He still has incredible timing. He's only got one more rain to beat. One more beats Rick. Rick, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I feel like it's him who's holding that off. Oh, yeah, no, without a doubt. But if it comes down to him beating Rick or Charlotte beating Rick, I would like Cena to do that, please. Yep, 100% <laughs> agree with that. All right, now while we're talking about women's matches and the pacing, I want to bring up Raquel and Rhea's match. I know we're doing this out of order, but it was an okay match but I felt the pacing of this match was way too slow. And I, they did make a point actually on commentary saying that this is how Rhea likes to fight her matches. It's a pace where she likes to devour them and savor her kill, basically. But the match, I just... And maybe this is being an AEW fan, I'm, loose, I'm used to really fast-paced, flippy shit now. But I, I, the match just didn't seem to work for me. Uh, I really liked it, and maybe it's because like, she's my mate. But I, I, I legitimately enjoyed it. I like that. That's it's honestly a very similar pace to the pace that I always used to wrestle at as well. I like slow paces. I yeah. like it when the heel takes their time and really just hammers the point down. So I, for I me, think the it, story it wasn't told bad. in the match was great. Like she dominated at the start, and then Raquel basically gets her shit in and makes you believe that maybe it's over and then it wasn't but no I said I wasn't it didn't detract from me for it to slow down my favorite wrestler almost in every conversation I have about this is Triple H and he's the slowest fucking person there is Mm. like when it comes to matches like he has a very deliberate pace and I saw a lot of that in the match with Rhea yeah but there's a point that you made today which I can't help but wonder whether this is the issue for the entire night is mm-hmm. the amount of times the crowd just didn't seem to be there. And is, is it the crowd not being there and not being hyped that me as a viewer didn't get into the match as much? Yeah, and look, honestly, I would put that down to face interaction, and I'll say it later as well in this instance on this day, I see clearly. But I, I will say that in this particular situation that when you are a face, I know that you're not supposed to always be begging for the fans to get behind you, Mm -hmm. but you need to feel it in the moment as well. If you're both down and there's no sound as a face, it's your job to start the crowd back in. You have to give them a reason to invest. 
Because if all you do is head down, punches forward without ever really looking to the audience to feed off their energy, then sooner or later they're not going to give you their energy anymore. Yeah. And I have seen that a little bit recently. So do you think that this is more a Raquel issue in this match? I wouldn't blame anyone particularly, but Raquel is definitely the least experienced of the two. Yeah. And as a face... See, as a heel, you usually carry a match as far as the structure goes because you control the pace of it and all of that kind of stuff. Mm. But what you do as a face is that's where you have the fire for the crowd. That's where you give them a reason to cheer because if you watch a face get the shit beat out of them and they don't do much to to bring you back in, you don't end up caring about it. You just accept the death. Exactly right, yeah. Yeah. There's got to be moments. like I remember when I would do face stuff, which was not as much, but... If I was down and it was a beat down that was happening, which again, six foot three doesn't happen very often, mm. but I would find myself just pointing an arm out, like just doing a little bit of these ones, just trying to, I wasn't even but, trying to stomp yeah, yeah, on yeah. it, but just appealing to the audience to say, give me I your need energy. your help. Yeah, I'm Goku in this bitch right now. Yeah. I need your help. You need to give me your energy so I can throw the spirit bomb. And that's the vibe that. I think really helps a wrestler. It's the same. So in a situation where there's a double down and I'm not saying you have to like stomp to get the crowd into it, Mm. but if you move your leg a certain way and you like stomp once, if you do that, the crowd will know exactly what you're doing and they'll pick up on it. It's an eye contact with a member of the audience. It's moving the foot once. It's like continuing to look to them. I like, you'll notice it with LA Knight later when we talk about that, the moments where he looked at the audience, they were into it. Oh, 100%. And that, that, that's what you need to provide, I think, as a face personally. But as far as the match goes, I think it was good. I, I really enjoyed it too. But, yeah, the crowd were definitely in a different world. Yeah. Now, at the end of this match, we had Rhea standing tall with the belt. Yes. And this should have been the order that it went in. So the next match, in my opinion, should have been Judgment Day versus KO and Sammy. Because this was a great match, in my opinion, as well. It was definitely booked to give KO his moment, in my opinion, of honouring Terry, Terry Funk. And look, I'm glad that KO also got colour in this match because the moment of him standing there after beating the shit out of... I can't can't remember which one it was who was in the trash can, but he's got the blood... I think it was Finn. Yeah, yeah. so they've beaten down Finn. He's standing there. He's got the blood pouring down his face. He's holding the cane up tall. It was definitely a thank you, Terry moment. Yeah, and like ripping the shirt off and having the Terry Funk shirt underneath it. 100%. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was very well done. And look, the match itself was a... It's very reminiscent of, say, the Dudleys versus the Hardys from mm-hmm. uh, Royal Rumble. Yep. It was it was very much just a let's do some crazy shit, get the crowd invested. That's, again, why I thought maybe it should have been on first. But, yeah, seeing the way that they handled the match was very good. The finish, I'm not sure about yet, but I think it sets up a lot of stuff for the future because, obviously, the Judgment Day once again brought interference to the situation. Mm-hmm. Once again, we got J.D. McDonough in there as well. J.D. McDonough Kebab. I don't know how to pronounce his name. No. I'm just going to say a different thing every time. But having J.D. <laughs> come through and, uh, again, be a part of it, but still not part of the Judgment Day at all, it's another interesting layer to it. Having Dom be the reason that both Judgment Day matches ended Mm-hmm. positively for his team, is doing all of the good things for Dominic Mysterio's future. 
And yeah, I'm not super unhappy with it at all. I do feel like to use the common parlance these days that the reign of Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn has been fucking mid. I aside from the victory, I haven't really been invested in anything since. Yeah, I, I think look, it may be time. I, I think it's awesome having Judgment Day, having all the gold. They are now sitting essentially in the bloodline role of having all yeah. the gold and being the dominant faction right now. I hope we don't have a bloodline and Judgment Day crossover. I don't want to see that personally. No. But look, they're going to be the dominant players and then you've still got that uh, Money in the Bank briefcase looming. Yeah, And it's just going to... I like that it's just looming, bro. I like when that is part of a B story and a bigger story. Mm-hmm. I hate when there's an early cash in. I hate when it's being paraded every single week, but I like when it's just looming. I could see, I'm going to do two things here, like fantasy booking wise. I'll go to the, the briefcase first. I could see a situation where it's the last week before Money in the Bank and he has to use it, but he doesn't. I could see that as a way to turn Damien Priest into a mega face. They're a heel stable all the way through, all the way through to Money in the Bank. They say they're not tag team champions anymore, Mm -hmm. but say there's a situation where they could have it all. Say somehow Finn has a match for the belt and it's on the last day you know, pretty much before, like, it's money in the bank, right? I think you can use it up until the match, or they could make that shit up anyway. That'd mm. be fine. And have the championship match earlier in the night and have it be a situation where Finn is about to win and then have Priest walk in and drop the briefcase and then have Finn pick up the win. And then that moment, oh, so he with picks up the win first, let's say that, yeah. and then have Priest get up in the ring, throw the briefcase away, they hug, and there's a big pop because he's he chose his family, and then the next night you have the Judgment Day turn on Priest. After he wow. gave him everything, yeah. that's, that, that is a story right there. That is there. a story. So I, like I could that. see that. I could really see that. It'd be sick. And the other thing that I would like to see from here is tomorrow, I guess today for some people, but on Raw, I would like to see the Judgment Day in the ring celebrating and then Tommaso Ciampa's music hits. And he's, guess what, guys? I found him. And then DIY's music hits and Johnny comes out. Amazing. And then Johnny and Ciampa go. They go for Judgment Day. I want to see that. i got goosebumps thinking about oh. it. DIY versus Judgment Day for the tag straps? Yes, please. Put it in my veins. All right, now this brings us to this week's LA Night Moment of the Week. Let me talk to you. All right, LA Night versus The Miz. As expected, this was a good match. It did everything it had to do as a match, but the big surprise element in this match was John Cena announcing that he was going to be the special referee for this. At first, I thought this was going to be the standard good guy ref with the good guy face, and but he made some calls against Knight. It looked like they were building a wee bit of tension in the match. I liked it. Once again, and this is across this entire card, a lot of these matches were good matches. 
but I liked it. It was good. a <laughs> yeah, it was a standard good match. If this obviously, was, if this had ended an episode of Raw, it would yeah, have been yeah, excellent, amazing. Like the excellent level episode goes up. Raw. Yeah, yeah. I think I'll take it back just a moment to say that Cena came out and was like, hey, I'm the host, and I don't know what to do tonight. Yeah. <laughs> and then Miz came out and he said, hey, you're shit now, and dressed <laughs> him down and said, you need to be better, you need to be good at making decisions, you need to stick by your decisions, blah, 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 blah. And then Cena's like, I guess I'll be the special referee for the match. Now, in my opinion... I think that the reason the crowd was a little bit fucking iffy for most of the match, because that's one thing Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier and one thing I'll mention again, because they were, unless LA Knight looked at them or he did the whole LA Knight air or he threw a punch and they would say yeah back to him, they were quiet. And Mm -hmm. I think the reason is because Cena was there, because everybody in the building was waiting for an attitude adjustment. They were waiting for a slap of the referee. They were waiting for Miz to do some shit wrong, and it was just not that. The whole Mm -hmm. time there was a lot of interaction back and forth between all three dudes, and I think that everyone was waiting for that big moment, which never came, thankfully. I I was waiting for it. I didn't know if it was going to set up a LA Knight and Cena program or if it was going to set up further the... LA Knight and Miz program or what it was going to do, I was definitely watching, waiting for something. And I think the only something that we ended up getting was Cena putting over LA Knight at the end, which did feel like a bit of a torch pass moment, but I don't think this was the show to do a torch pass moment. Having (laughs) Cena and take his shirt off after the match for some reason and then shake hands with LA Knight, having LA Knight just running his mouth the whole time was excellent. He's you nearly screwed me out of the match there, bud. Like I did this whole thing and then eventually shook his hand as well. That was great. Also, when Cena made a shit call in LA Knight's eyes, he didn't just talk to him. He got in his fucking face yeah. and was like, we're really going to do this now? You want to do it now? I'll beat you too. Yeah. And that, that was really good for him. LA Knight is currently giving off Stone Cold vibes to me, which 100%. is both a good thing and a bad thing. It's a good thing because it's what he needs to do yep. and it's a bad thing because he's not looking at the crowd. I don't know if he was embarrassed or scared or there was Cena and he was like, oh, man, it's got to be good because Cena's here, etc. It but would be intimidating. For a lot of... Yeah, a lot of the match, he was heads down, bums up. He was just doing the spots that he needed to do. When he did hit that, yeah, elbow drop, though, the crowd fucking erupted. Mm -hmm. And then when he hit the the BFT as well, the crowd went nuts for it as well. Having him kick out of the skull-crushing finale was excellent. And that sick fucking DDT he did out of the corner was great too. But big ups to Miz for that double DDT combo as well, that really popped me so i was happy with that yeah do you think there is any chance we get la night versus cena and do you see any benefit from it happening i think what we get is i think on over the next month what we'll get is the miz on the grace and waller experience complaining and which will bring out la night which will bring out John Cena, and I think the next PLE, PLE we get a tag match. Yeah, and I don't think that benefits anybody. <laughs> no, but I think that's what will happen. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then we get to the uh, main event tonight. 
Shinsuke Nakamura versus uh, Seth Rollins. Now, I wasn't sold on this match coming into this. I've got a few thoughts on it post the match. Give them. But, Go and do it. But I will say this. The match did feel bigger than it had any right feeling. It felt really good. I think the match was a brilliant match. The build-up to it on the show was really good, but I feel like most of the build was done on the show. I loved Shinsuke's manga intro. His little anime intro before yeah, the start. I loved yeah, it. that was I loved sick. It. I'm not even an anime guy, but I loved that. I also loved the very subtle tribute to Bray and Rollins's intro, dropping the lights, the fireflies coming up while they sang Rollins' song. Super subtle. Brilliant. Loved it. Now, here's where my thoughts are. You've built this entire match around Seth Rollins having a bad back. And they told that story in the match brilliantly. They played to that back injury so well. However, this is where my issue is. You now have a champ that has to go on after this match. Because if you didn't know, Rollins won. But you've got the champ who now has to go into his next program and do just drop a back injury story? Like, you have told this massive story about how bad his back is, and he has to go on now and continue to be champ with a bad back. I, I don't know where you take know. that. I don't know either. I wouldn't mind it continuing because I thought that Nakamura did a really good job with the match. I hate the Elvis gear still existing, but <laughs> outside of that, I, I do think that was really good. He didn't feel like he was ever going to win, but he during the match, though, it started to feel a lot more like that. I think that having the finish for me so, is so flat, like... For everything that he'd gone through in the match, the little desperation stomp, and then this slow go for the pin kind of sucked. I would have really liked this to be the show that he pulled out his old finisher for the first time in years. Yeah. I, I think... I actually think that they botched the runtime of the end of the show. Yeah, I because, feel like maybe the ref got in their ear. So what ended up happening is after the show went off the air, Shinsuke actually attacked Rollins. And you could see in the background at the end of the show, there was this weird moment where there was no commentary happening. You had Rollins in the thing. You saw Shinsuke at ringside talking to people. And after the graphic, you know the graphic that comes in with the yeah. WWE 2023, blah, 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 all bullshit. And it, the show just lingered for a while. And I can't help but wonder whether they actually botched the run time of the end of the show and that Shinsuke attack was supposed to be the full stop explanation point on the pay-per-view or the PLE. It did feel like he was waiting for something to happen. And it like, didn't happen. At the end, and it didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I think if that had happened on the show, the flat ending of the match wouldn't have mattered. I, and, again, hopefully that means we've got more coming. Yeah. But... Yeah, like I said, like for me, if you were going to do like – if the finish was what it was supposed to be, which now it sounds less like it, I, I would have really liked to have seen him pull out God's Last Gift, which is the old finisher that Tyler Black used to do before he was Seth Rollins, which was a small package driver. The reason I like it is that it puts – 
like Seth in a position where he would be able to lay prone after hitting it. He hits it, gets the pin, and then they both just die. As opposed to the way that it ended, which was a bit weird to me. Like he hit the pedigree and then there was a little bit of an exchange and then he hit the the stomp out of nowhere. Yeah, that so, would have been an amazing finish. I'm actually just watching it now, a video of him pulling it off, and that would have actually been an amazing finish to that match. Because it looks desperation. It looks and, desperate, but also it looks like one that you could pull it off, look like a killer, and still play the back after you've dropped it. Yeah, because he could have just laid there afterwards. Yeah. He could have just laid there and Shinsuke could have kicked out at three and a half mm. and then he could have stalked him and then he could have hit him again. Like there would have, there, That all could have played in a little bit better in my eyes. Yeah. But, yeah, I, aside from that, the match was excellent. The pacing was yep. fantastic. The it, whole thing it, it was felt, just It felt great. like a main event. All in all, it was a great episode of SmackDown. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> To, to take a guy who has not been considered a main event star for at least a year and turn him into that was just, yeah, really good. Yeah. Look, I think there's some interesting stuff that's going to come out of this going into TV, building up to the next pay-per-view. What's the next pay-per-view? Fastlane. Fastlane? Yeah, I think it is Fastlane. Going into Fastlane, we've got a few bits and pieces. Weird having a pay-per-view with zero bloodline. Yeah, very weird. Um, very weird. Very weird because we've just been so accustomed to bloodline being all over these pay-per-views. That's um, a question. Does it feel like a smaller pay-per-view because there's no bloodline? Potentially. Potentially. Yeah. And we just had that wee injection of bloodline story with Jay. But I don't like, know if you'd be calling it SmackDown if Roman was on the show. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Before we go any further, this show is brought to you by OG Nerd. OG Nerd represents the gamers, the cosplayers, the collectors, the model makers, the tattooists, the artists, and the athletes. They are not just a clothing brand, they are a subculture. OG Nerd revel in their halcyon youth and embrace the lifestyle driven by nostalgia, humble beginnings, and heroes. OG Nerd strives to offer quality, comfortable, and above all stylish streetwear apparel inspired by a lifetime of gaming, music, and street art. I've worked with OG Nerd for many years and find their apparel second to none in terms of quality and appearance. Whether it's at a wrestling show or a convention, you'll be hard-pressed to find a better armour for your rig. Get yours at ognerdlife.com. But look, this wasn't the only wrestling that happened today. It was the first time we've had AEW go head-to-head with WWE in a long time. And it was the first collision of the non-CM Punk era. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go through every single thing that happened on the show because we are running long already. But uh, yep. a few key points that did happen in the show, and I thought this was a super clever way of fixing the... Clearly it was going to be CM Punk versus Starks going into this, and they, this is one... I think they knew what was happening with Punk a few days ago because out of nowhere we had uh, Ricky Starks challenge Ricky the Dragon Steamboat to a strap match, which felt super weird because it was the challenge happened essentially on social media and we got the graphic saying that it was all locked in, it was going to happen. We had Ricky the Dragon come out. Luckily there was a pretty good story to make this sort of make sense. Also super interesting that if you watch that package that they did at the start of the show, CM Punk was nowhere in the story. (laughs) So they edited that very cleverly. But I thought this was a super clever way to turn this around and have Ricky Stark sign the contract for The Dragon. And we've got Ricky then saying, hey, I'm not the only dragon. 
and we get the return of Daniel Bryan. Um, brilliant way of getting the crowd to pop early on in the show and fucking forget about CM Punk for a moment. Um, Brian's return was not expected. Uh, I got a DM saying, holy shit, have you seen what happened? Because I was watching um, Payback. I had no no plans of watching Collision today. Um, It was going to be a quick speed watch, but I went back and watched the entire show. I'm worried that Brian might have come back early. Yeah, it's possible. It's absolutely possible. But I do feel like he needed to be there. Yeah, like, oh, 100%. Like is, 100%. Yeah, and then we. To happen, so. so we're getting Brian versus Starks tomorrow at All Out. We also got uh, the FTR situation happen where we had Dax coming out. And who did, who did he fight? Uh, it was Jay White. Jay White, sorry, it was. I'll be honest, I didn't really watch all of that match and pay much attention. <laughs> but there's a few interesting things that happened during this match. Of course, during the intro, when we've got FTR coming out. We've got old Cash Wheeler throwing up the X. The old uh, CM Punk pose. Yep, he very much was throwing his salute to Punk on the first uh, collision without Punk there. And then AEW probably did the ballsiest thing they could have done in Chicago after announcing that CM Punk was gone is you had the Bucks make their AEW collision debut. They came onto the CM Punk show in the CM Punk town on the CM Punk's Not Here show. <laughs> yeah. How do you feel it, about it? That? It just feels like a slap in the fucking face. It was a fuck. It really was. And man, for everything that he's done, I didn't think that it was something that Tony was like, oh, yeah, that'd be great. But I do feel like it was a, hey, we're doing this and it's happening. And because fuck you, you're not here anymore. And it was, yeah, it was just not a nice feeling. I, I, especially considering Tony made a big point with his statement to say, hey, this bullshit's happened. We've gotten rid of punk, blah, 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 blah. But we really want to thank CM Punk for everything he has done because regardless of the issues, CM Punk has done a lot for AEW. Yeah, and he's talking about how he wasn't happy that it was happening and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, then yeah, yeah, and then putting a to fuck put you at people, the end. yeah, to put people who are very clearly not okay with punk there in the same spot. It's just that's a slap in the face, and I'm I'm not particularly okay with it. I didn't have a lot of respect for the Bucks as it is, but it's definitely gone down since then. Yeah, yeah, the one thing it does do is it sets up Chicago for all out. Yeah, yeah, it's just yuck. So. Yeah. Agreed. Look, I think going into this week, um, we've got a very interesting week of wrestling ahead of us. Um, I think WWE's got a fair bit of work to do coming out of uh, payback, um, but also it's going to be an interesting day tomorrow. I've got a big day of work tomorrow, and I'm going to be having all out on on my second screen while I work because I want to know where everything goes from here. Yeah. Uh, very curious to see how the Chicago crowd is going to react. If you, By the time you're listening to this, you already know the answers to all these questions I'm putting out there right now. Interesting week of wrestling ahead. Uh, once again, to bring up CM Punk, I don't think this is the end of news from CM Punk. I think over the coming weeks, we're going to hear more and more about the story, about the contract situation, about Punk's thoughts. One interesting tidbit that I literally just listened to 
before I came on the show as I was listening to some stuff on Fightful and Sean Rossap absolutely confirms that he was being fed news from Punk directly. I have no doubt we're going to start hearing more news from Punk's side. And you know what? We need that too because it does feel like all we ever have been getting fed is the company line. Yep. So I am all for a little bit of CM Punk retribution or at least just conversation. Yeah, some conversation. But yeah. Look, interesting 24 hours in wrestling. <laughs> Look, and this week's show, like you'll notice, we have not gone into Raw, we have not gone into SmackDown, we have not gone into Dynamite, and it's purely because this last 24 hours has been intense. There's been yeah. so much happening. It has been. Hopefully we can catch up soon. Next week might be a good one, or maybe someone will die, or maybe someone will quit, or oh, maybe someone will get fired. Give me a week where I don't have to watch two pay-per-views and keep up with all the news. I want a week where we, next week, I want to have a week where we can be a bit funnier and have a bit more yeah, fun with yeah, the show. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We may even have a guest, so. Yeah, yeah. But first, while we're talking about news, let's talk about Pro Wrestling Down Under. Pro Wrestling Down Under is a fantastic source for Australian professional wrestling news and upcoming events, as well as all the latest top news from WWE and AEW. They offer some great exclusive content from interviews, opinion articles, and insights from some of the top Australian wrestlers to make it to the big promotions overseas. PW Down Under aims to be a source of information for people looking to get involved in Australian professional wrestling with events listing, training school bios, and news on the latest seminars across the country. So if you ever wanted to get involved in Australian wrestling, this is the place for you. Visit pwdownunder.com. That's pwdownunder.com. All right, before we wind things up, every week we like to have a bit of a talk about what's coming up in Australia and New Zealand with the pro wrestling in your area. So let's kick things off this week with... All-Star Pro Wrestling, they have got International Invasion happening on September 9th at the Hamilton North Bowling Club at Broadmeadow. Uh, that's up towards Newcastle. And uh, then later on in the month, September 16th at Padstow, they have got their big turning point event with Orlando Jordan, who is challenging for the heavyweight title match. Uh, then Newcastle Pro Wrestling, they have shattered two uh, at the Hamilton Station Hotel on September the 20th, 2023. Uh, and International Wrestling Australia is celebrating 25 years of live touring with an all-ages pro wrestling event on Saturday, October the 14th. That's happening at St. John's Park Bowling Club. Okay, and briefly from my side of the pond, we have EPW Vendetta on Saturday, the 28th of October. At the moment, that is pretty much all that we have that I can see that have been announced so far. I know that NHPW and Dude Where's My Ring both have shows coming up, but they are a little bit further along. We also have Wide Bay Pro Wrestling back on September 23rd at the Brogla Theatre in Queensland to rise from the ashes. And then lastly for our week here, we've got Melbourne City Wrestling. Witness the fallout from the 2023 Ballroom Brawl on Saturday 9th of September when MCW returned to the Thornbury Theatre. Love it. Excellent venue. Yeah, and MCW put on some bangers. Absolutely. Incredible shows. Yeah. So All right. 
that, that, that's, that's us for this week. Make sure you go and support all your local pro wrestling because that's where you're going to see all of the next stars of tomorrow and including a lot of the time lately, a lot of internationals coming over to have a bloody good time in these Aussie rings. All right, that is another week wrapped up. It was a pretty heavy one. Again, I know we said that last week, but hey, sooner or later we'll have a week where we can just chill. It's not going to be this week. It probably <laughs> won't be next week either, I'm sure. But thank you so much for listening wherever you listen. Remember, we are on Google Podcasts. We are on Spotify. We are on Apple Music, and we are on everywhere else. That and we can confirm that you are able to get us on Apple now because uh, we fixed that up last week. Yes, yes. So finally, <laughs> Apple Podcasts is a go. But thank you so much for listening. Uh, wherever you don't forget to hit us up on the socials, predominantly X at DWN under the ring. You can find us both at our respective handles. Links will be in the description below. And thank you so much for listening. And as always, we'll see you down under the ring. Oh, 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 oh